This is Cruise Radio. If you're traveling with travel insurance, you're traveling smart. Get a quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. A review of Carnival Pride coming up this week. Also, Sherry's here with Cruise News. Got a chance to go to Nashville for a couple of days last week. Went and saw uh, Smokey Robinson, who is amazing in concert at 78 years old. Uh, Charlie Daniels Band, Leonard Skinner, and some other folks were really uh, really brought on a good show uh, last week. And then a uh, shout out to Craig and Jenna and Jimmy for uh, showing me too good of a time in Nashville after the concert. Um, and then on Saturday, I ran a 15K and uh, did decent there. And then Sunday morning, urgent care, bronchitis, been in bed since then. So luckily, I record at the house sometimes. So uh, that's where I am right now doing the show. The doctor said to rest and quit going so much. So I'm going to do uh, doctor's orders here and hopefully kick this crap before the next race. So uh, with that said, let's punch Sherry Kennedy up with Cruise News. Hey, Sherry. Hey, Doug. So last week when you were in um, Fort Lauderdale for Cruise, or for Sea Trade rather, um, Norwegian Cruise Line made a pretty big announcement of a pretty big project in Port Miami. They sure did. They are going to build a dedicated cruise terminal at Port Miami. It's going to be all the way at the end of the existing uh, terminal, you know, the rows and rows of terminals that they have now past the carnival ones. Uh, it's planned to be completed by fall of 2019. It's pretty aggressive, but they want it to coincide with the uh, timing for when the Norwegian Encore arrives into Miami. And it sort of looks like, you know, I've seen the renderings. It looks like a sort of like a giant glass bean with a roof on top. It's totally see-through. It must have acres and acres of glass in it. And it will have to accommodate ships that carry 5,000 passengers, of course. Um, they're also putting um, a multi-level parking garage next to it, and it will connect directly into the new terminal. So their whole thinking is they want passengers' vacations to begin as soon as they leave their car rather than the second they get on board. So inside this new glass terminal, they're going to have palm trees, a restaurant, maybe a, like a cafeteria style. I'm not quite sure if it's table service. Um, they probably don't know yet. Uh, and lounge areas so that you can wait in comfort to board the ship. So it's pretty aggressive, like I said, and we'll see if it can be done in a year, barely yeah. a year. Yeah, I like how uh, in Barcelona they have like a bar in the terminal. It works out pretty well. Yeah, it just really depends. It's something new. You know, if you mm -hmm. looked at the other terminals in Miami or anywhere, there's no rest, no place to eat. Yeah. Um, Europe does have a little more service. Even in Southampton, they have uh, a small little, um, you know, a stand where you can get snacks and things like and drinks. But um, this is a new concept for here. So I, I think it's wonderful. And also while you were down there, Virgin Cruises released some more details about their upcoming ships coming in 2020. What did we find out? Well, they're keeping their cards very close to their chest. And they didn't reveal a lot. And it was at uh, just at, a, at the morning, and you want to call it sort of a press conference. So there were a lot of people in attendance. Everybody was curious to find out what's happening. And all that they said was they reiterated, of course, that it's adults only and you have to be 18 years old or up to get on the ship. Well, we knew that already. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and they it, it's sort of like they went over everything. The only new things that they said, really, were the shore excursions are going to be a little more active. Um, probably, I don't think they will have bus tours in cities and things like that. 
Um, they're not going to have the big production numbers. Those are, and you know what, that's fading out across other cruise lines as well. So that's just a, going to be a thing in the past eventually. Uh, um, over 80% of the staterooms will have balconies. And they're also thinking of something new, which is to return later into port in Miami at the end of the cruise. So you won't have to get up at 6 o'clock if you have a 7 a.m. Uh, self-assist walk-off. So I think that's a great idea. They'll dock somewhere around 8 or 9 o'clock. So it's a little more civilized. You can have breakfast. And as we were talking earlier, three ships are planned. And the first one, like you said, will launch in 2020. And then the other two will be each consecutive year after that. And the only thing I can really say is, you know, with Sir Richard Branson running the show or at the helm, you know, it's going to be a really cool and innovative ship, probably a little bit quirky, or as the Brits say, a little bit cheeky. But uh, I think it's something to really look forward to, and and I am. Yeah, I like the late uh, late arrival. I know if if you're sailing on Norwegian Jim into New York City, the arrival time isn't until 10 a.m. So it's nice where you can kind of have that leisurely last morning, where you like you said, not having to be out of your stateroom at 7:30 or 8 o'clock. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I wish more ships would do that. I was on a Norwegian ship. Um, I think we came back into Miami, and I remember having breakfast at 9:30. Um, in the Lido, and we didn't have to be off, I think, until 10 or 10.30. I was looking. I read it twice because I didn't believe it. I think we were on that one together. Wasn't that on the Pearl in 2014? Ooh. And we had, we had, like, breakfast in the yeah. back of the ship on Lido? Yeah. Yes, yes. That was that, it. Well, oh, my. Four years ago. Yeah, wow. that, was, that was for the country music cruise. Wow. So Princess Cruises looks like they're starting to test out a program where you can pay to get on the ship earlier. Talk to us about this. Yeah, they're starting this new program. It's very short-lived for a price of $49 per stateroom, and it's only on the Ruby Princess, and it will end on March 25th. Passengers can pay, like I said, $49, and they can board the ship early. And it is just a test program, and, you know, what they've said is depending on how well it goes, that's going to determine if it goes fleet-wide. But, Mm. um, you know, usually if they're testing something and they're making money, it's going to it's, go fleet yeah, wide <laughs> for sure. It, was there anything else like? Um, I know you said it was. It's very vague, but was there anything like you get any kind of perks once you get on board, like going to your stateroom first or anything like that? Was that revealed? You know, no, and they didn't say that. Now, also for that price, I think, and I, I'm pretty sure this is how I read it and understand it. You can either use that to board early or leave late. Now, oh, okay. Yeah, that would be interesting, right? Yeah. Pay $49 and you could leave. The sh- now, they didn't say what time. And again, it's ending on March 25th, which is just around the corner. So, um, you know, if it goes fleet wide, we sure will have more details. Remember eight or nine years ago in Princess, um, they might still do it, I don't know, where you had the option of paying, like, if you weren't sailing but somebody was sailing, you could pay, like, $75 to have lunch with them and stuff on board. Remember that? I was I was just thinking of that. And yeah. I, I, you know, I wanted to ask you if you remembered it. I sure do remember that. And do they still offer that? I don't, I don't think they do, but they could. They, do, they just might not publicize it. I mean, this was, like, what, 2010 or 20. 20- Oh nine, I think they were talking wow, about it. Wow, that long ago. Yeah, time's flying. Okay, well, uh, last cruise yeah. piece here. Uh, Disney Cruise Line recently revealed some renderings of their new ships. Uh, is it anything different from Fantasy or Dream? It is a little bit different, and you know, it's hard to 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 absolutely believe it's twenty years since their first ship sailed out of Port Canaveral, but it's twenty years. And uh, if you've seen the silhouette or the um, just a side view of their existing ships. 
sort of imagine um, where the staterooms are above the black hull, and it sort of curves out and around in a couple blumps. Um, so I, you know, it's not like a cantilever because there's several decks that extend outward in like a rolling fashion. So I would imagine if you looked at the ship from the bow straight on, that you would see curvatures coming out above the black hull. Okay. Kind of interesting, yeah. right? Yeah, they're going to be a, about 140,000 tons and accommodate mm, about 2,500 passengers in 1,250 staterooms. Okay. And also, Sherry, this just came in while we were talking. It looks like Norwegian Bliss has started her conveyance going up to, uh, from the shipyard to do sea trials. So we're going to see that in the States, I believe, in early May, right, Norwegian Bliss? Yeah. Yeah, she's coming okay. over in early May. And someone I know uh, might be on that ship. I'm not sure who. Okay. But we talked about it. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll get back. Yeah, absolutely. Fun stuff there. Well, last but not least, here we have a question. Uh, this comes from Sue Ann from Michigan on Facebook. She says, my husband doesn't want to get a passport. He says we'll never use them again after our cruise. We're going to Bermuda, St. Martin, San Juan, and Labadee, and I don't know what I should do. Please help me. <laughs> Poor Sue Ann. <laughs> yeah, well, all I can say, Sue Ann, is whether or not you'll use your passports again, that's not really the issue. Uh, to me, the big issue is if something should happen and either you or your husband do not have a passport to fly back into the United States, it's going to be tough getting into the country without a passport. Um, and if you choose, if you know, if he overrules and you decide not to get passports, just make sure, and I've said this a thousand times, that you have an official birth certificate with a raised seal from the state, you know, from the vital records department where in the city where you were born, or sometimes the state runs it, not a photocopy. And you'll also need a government-issued photo ID, which could be your driver's license. But, you know, years ago, I used to work at the port just to learn about immigration. And time and time again, people would bring a birth certificate with a footprint on it, literally, mm -hmm. and they couldn't under, and they would get denied boarding. So that's something else that could happen. But um, Sue Ann, here's my suggestion: and, and um, get you. Why don't you get your own passport? <laughs> if your husband, <laughs> if your husband wants to leave home with just his birth certificate and a photo ID, you know, let's hope that he doesn't need to fly home for an emergency. Because, like I said, it's not easy to get back into the United States without a valid passport. But at least you would be able to. So that's that's what's important. And you know, getting serious though, um, if you again, if you decide not to have passports, just make sure you have some travel insurance that will cover you because, you know, it won't supersede having a passport. But some of the travel insurance companies do have sort of a concierge type person, and they may be able to work with the government to allow you to return quicker in a dire emergency. Yeah, sounds like Sue Ann needs to make sure that his life insurance policy is paid up, too, before she goes on the cruise. It's <laughs> <That's> horrible. <laughs> oh, my God, like, I'm losing my lung here. This bronchitis is kicking my butt. Um, oh. All right, Sherry. Talking with Sherry Kennedy from CruiseMaven.com. Thank you, as always. Thanks, Doug. Feel better. Thanks. Cruise Radio. Maintaining our global reach. Listen live at CruiseRadio.net. From its rich heritage, picturesque beaches, and unparalleled blue waters, it's no wonder over 7 million people cruise to the Caribbean every year. What do you want to do? Swim with stingrays at Stingray Bay? Go for an island tour? Take a beach break? Or set sail on a catamaran to spend the day snorkeling? 
Whatever you decide, CruisingExcursions.com has a shore excursion to fit your budget. Cruising Excursions knows your time on the island is limited and that you want to make the most of your day. That's why they have shore excursions up to 60% cheaper than the cruise lines and offer smaller, more personable tours. Find out for yourself. Research and book your next shore excursion at CruisingExcursions.com. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. Have a question for the experts or would you like to talk about your cruise or vacation experience, good or bad? Email comments at cruiseradio.net. So John and his family just returned from a seven-night Bahamas cruise on Carnival Pride out of Baltimore. John joins us on the line. Hey, John. Hi, Doug. Thanks for uh, thanks for being here. I, I we haven't had a Carnival Pride review in a, in a couple of years, so excited to hear about her. Um, actually, I, I think she went through dry dock what like in 2014. Uh, yes, it's been a few years yeah. ago now. It was it was right when they released the 2.0 upgrades. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Now let's take a couple of steps back before we get to the Carnival Pride itself. What made you want to sail this ship with the family? Uh, the main reason is location. It's the only ship in the area. We live about 40 minutes from the port. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it, you know, it's a lot cheaper for us to, to drive to port than to hop on a plane and fly to Florida. Um, and the other thing is we've, we've sailed on the Pride six times now. So, wow. you know, we've kind of come to feel like it's home for us. Yeah. That's, uh, you say, you've sailed six times. Has it, uh, has it been out of Baltimore every single time? Yes, actually, the Pride was our very first cruise we ever take we ever took back in 2010. Mm-hmm. It's what got us hooked on cruising, and uh, we've only deviated one time. We went on the Dream out of Port Canaveral, um, but uh, we just love the Pride. We love the the size and the crowd is perfect. So we've we've done every itinerary they've offered except for the Bermuda and the Journeys cruise. Okay, so you li- you live 40 minutes from the pier, so you get to the pier. How was embarkation there? Uh, it was flawless. Uh, we actually had Faster to the Fun, which we've had pretty much every cruise since they uh, initiated that. We actually got got into the port early. They let us in because it was pouring down rain all day. They didn't make anyone wait outside, which was nice. And we boarded within 15 minutes of them announcing that they were at zero count on the disembark. Uh, they were starting to board, and we were on the ship within 15 minutes of that announcement. Oh, wow. Now, since you've been on the ship five times prior to this, um, what were your thoughts this go-around as far as impressions? Uh, it really feels like coming home. I mean, when you've been on a ship that many times, you're bound to see things and pick up on things that otherwise you may not. So, you know, I did notice the wear and tear. Uh, the ship was built in 2001, so it's some of the wear is very obvious. Um, but I think some of that's because I've been on it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ship was extremely clean. Uh, the service was fantastic. Uh, the things that matter were, were really nice. Uh, but the ship is starting to show its age. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that uh, 17 years old now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to believe. Yeah. Pretty, pretty wild. So what kind of stateroom did you book and what did you think of it? Uh, we actually booked the aft extended balcony, uh, cabin 4232, 
we actually had that uh, stateroom three times in a row now. Uh, we've booked That's the awesome. exact same cabin and cabin number. We loved it. Uh, nothing had changed. The view is fantastic, especially at, at night when when the uh, door can be propped open a little bit for the for the wake. Uh, and it fits my family of three perfect. Let's talk about food on Carnival Pride. Let's start at the uh, the Lido Deck buffet area and work our way down from there. Sure. Well, the Lido Deck is, uh, you know, got the 2.0 upgrade. So we have the Blue Iguana Cantina and the Guy's Burger Joint, which are my two hangouts. <laughs> uh, I would love for it to get the Pig and Anchor. I'm hoping next year and it's in Dry Dock, it'll get that. But we spend most of our time between those two restaurants. Uh, and then, of course, you've got your regular Lido Fair and your uh, Mongolian-type food. Um, but like I said, most of our meals are spent there at Guy's Burgers or the Blue Iguana Cantina. So um, you, you mentioned it doesn't have the barbecue, but in the buffet area, is there like a station that's old-fashioned barbecue? Not that it, I recall. No? Uh, I mean, typically in the Lido buffet area, we only have like the Taste of the Nations, mm-hmm. uh, and you have your delicatessen, and you also have the pizza place. But I don't recall... Uh, and there, there also is a place called Chopsticks, which is just Asian food, and mm. it's sort of like Chinese takeout. Every day the menu is different, but I don't recall any kind of barbecue offerings at all, really. Yeah, because I was on Carnival um, Sunshine the other day, and I noticed that in the buffet area, they had an old-fashioned barbecue with like the brisket, the baked beans, the mac and cheese. So I didn't know if that was like a maybe a, just a, a per-ship thing. It might be, it sounds like. Yeah, we did have the barbecue spare ribs mm-hmm. uh, at the American table at dinner yeah. at night, but but never anything on the Lido deck that I saw. How how was the main dining room? Fantastic. Uh, we actually had a little bit of a snafu when we got on board. Uh, we always sell with my in-laws, and typically Carnival puts us at the table together without even having to ask because we've sold so much together. And, and this time we were actually seated at separate tables. Um, but the maitre d' was fantastic. We went and met the maitre d' at 12.30 on embarkation day, asked to have that moved, and they placed us into anytime dining so that we could be together, uh, and it was, and the, fa- the service was fantastic all week long. Uh, it was top-notch, and the servers treated us like we were going to see them every night. Uh, we were really concerned that, that because we are typically in the early dining we were concerned that the servers being in a rush and having so many uh, passengers coming through, that it might affect the service. But it did not affect the service whatsoever. We loved it. What was your favorite meal in the main dining room? Uh, <laughs> you know, that's a tough one, and, and I can't say that I had a bad meal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not a big fan of the American table. I prefer more options. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the American table for that reason. I feel like it's a little short on the – uh, option side of things, but the food was was fantastic. And actually, two nights on this cruise, as opposed to previous cruises where we went to dinner every night, we actually spent some time at Lido in the evenings. And the the buffet up there was fantastic. They offered very similar menus, uh, and the food was actually just as good. It really surprised me. Does that ship have a steakhouse on it, or did you eat in there? Uh, yes, they do have a specialty steakhouse. It's called David's Steakhouse. Uh, it is actually located in the funnel itself. Uh, that's one really cool thing about the spirit class ships is you actually sit for dinner in the funnel. Um, unfortunately we didn't go this time. We have been two times in the past and, uh, we did enjoy it, but this was more of a laid back, relaxed, no frills cruise for us. Mm -hmm. We didn't want to get dressed up. I hear you. How was the entertainment for you? Uh, having seen the shows in the past and, and there are three shows in the main lounge that, one of them is called Getaway Island, which is a Caribbean Jimmy Buffett-style theme. Uh, the other is 
uh, 88 Keys, a piano-themed uh, show, and the other one's Heart of Soul. Um, they are fantastic. We've seen them before. This cruise, we spent more time at the dive-in movies, uh, which were phenomenal. Uh, there's just something about being on deck, watching a movie. It's really cool yeah. uh, with the popcorn and the blankets and that sort of thing. Uh, and we also went to the comedy clubs and took my son to the PG uh, shows, which in the past I haven't been really impressed with, but I thought they were hilarious this time. And also, I must say, the music has gotten so much better uh, over the last year with Carnival. We had a group called The Beast from the East, and we went to see them at the Red Frog Pub almost every night, and they were phenomenal. I would actually pay to go see them on land. Wow. Uh, they were phenomenal. That good, so huh? They've, yes, absolutely. They've made great strides in, their, in the music. And actually, Safi, the cruise director, had mentioned at some point during the week that Carnival has been working on their music choices, which I was glad to hear. Yeah. Um, they, they do have the steel drums again. The DJ at the leader deck was really good. But that group, the Beast from the East, they were as professional as you can get <laughs> i mean they were really good awesome. i was really impressed and, I, and i'm pretty critical about that type of stuff mm-hmm. and uh I, I was really impressed hey did your kids do the kids program at all no my, my son is nine he's been cruising since he was two and uh he's never been a fan we tried it one time he didn't care for it he just likes to be at the pool he's very low maintenance so we keep him with us and he swims and enjoys the day on leader deck so he did not go to the kids club well let's talk about the sea days you had uh, as you made your way down to the bahamas uh, how was it as far as crowds and congestion fantastic and that's one of the things that they really keep us selling on the pride is the crowd ratio to space is is just second to none uh one of the things i've noticed on the dream class ships were that they it seemed a lot more crowded and while it is a much bigger ship with more to do it's a lot more crowded, and there's a, there's a line for everything. Uh, on the Pride, you just never feel like you're in a crowded space. And so on a sea day, it's very relaxed. Uh, there's just the right amount of people. Uh, we did not have any problems at all. Very good. Now let's talk about the ports you hit. You did Princess Keys or Princess K, whatever it's called, Nassau and Freeport. So how was the, uh, the private island? Uh, Princess Keys was beautiful. Uh, you know, I think, and, I, and I've read a lot of this on Facebook, <laughs> that people like to compare Princess Keys to Half Moon Key. And a lot of the questions I see on Facebook are, is it the same or is it similar or as good as Half Moon Key? I think the answer to that is ve- a very resounding no, it's not as good as Half Moon Key. Mm-hmm. Uh, the water is n- not as quite as clear and the sand is not nearly as fine and pretty. However, if you don't compare that, if you've never been to Half Moon Key, Princess Keys is a phenomenal place. I would go there time and time again, and I hope to go back. Uh, but it is a much different setup and a much different island than Half Moon Key. I, so don't don't compare it. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious because I've only been to Princess, their island, once, and I've been to Half Moon probably a dozen times. Like, what what makes it so, so different? Because some people say the beaches are a little rockier there and to bring water shoes if you're going to Princess Keys. Uh, that's true. One of the things about Princess Keys that, that a lot of people, myself included, didn't really care for is if you look at it on it, you look at some aerial footage, you'll see that there's little cutouts along the beach. Those are the areas where you can get in the water and swim. And the sand is full of crushed coral and seashells. Um, you can walk on it. It can be a little painful. Uh, the, the, the sand is just a lot more coarse. Um, the other thing is Prince uh, Half Moon Key is just a sprawling stretch of large beach. 
the princess keys is more compartmentalized. You, mm-hmm. you have certain areas for sports, certain areas for swimming and certain areas where you have like the, uh, the bungalows and cabanas, mm-hmm. that area doesn't even have access to the water. You have to actually leave that area to get in the water. So it is a lot more compartmentalized. It's smaller, but it nevertheless, it's a beautiful place. Well okay. worth a visit. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, and it's a tender port too, correct? Yes, that is correct. Okay. So uh, you went to, also went to Nassau, Bahamas. Did you do anything there? Uh, yes, went to Nassau. Uh, had a beautiful day there. Uh, the, the, the weather in February is just is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think that's our new time to cruise because <laughs> right. it was like uh, 80 degrees, no humidity. It was perfect. Uh, we actually went into town. We did some shopping. Um, we, we typically like to go to Atlantis, but this time we just took it easy. We walked through the town. We walked down to Junkanoo Beach. Um, we haven't been to uh, the Bahamas since 2000, or I'm sorry, to Nassau since 2010. And the last time we were there, we met a family at Junkanoo Beach who said they were working with the government to clean that beach up and make it more hospitable for cruise passengers. Well, we came back this time. There were seven or eight huts plus a full-service restaurant there, and the service was great. The The atmosphere was great. Highly recommend going to that beach for the day. It's a, it's a very easy, free way to enjoy the island. And how about Freeport, Bahamas? What did you do there? Uh, Freeport, we actually took an excursion uh, to with Unexo is the company, but it is a carnival-sponsored excursion uh, to uh, Reef Snorkel mm-hmm. at Treasure Reef. And also we got to encounter the dolphins, spent some time with the dolphins, and they actually uh, showcased the dolphins, let us kiss the dolphins, and feed the dolphins. So we, ha- we sort of had a twofer. We got to swim and snorkel and enjoy the dolphins as well. How was that dolphin swim? I was in Costa Maya a couple of weeks ago, and everyone was doing it. And that's one thing I've never done. Are they very, like, what's the word, docile or very tame animals around you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They are so smart. It's incredible. Uh, you know, we actually, uh, did a dolphin kissing event, mm-hmm. uh, with Unexo seven or yeah, probably seven years ago, uh, at the same location. And it was sort of lame compared to this, uh, this, the dolphins, they jumped for us. They it sang for us. It did tricks right in front of our faces. It was, they were so up close and personal. Uh, it was, it was fantastic. And I actually, uh, did the dolphin swim at Costa Maya as well, there at the, at the cruise terminal. Um, you know, compared to Costa Maya, I think the one in Freeport is much better simply because the Dolphin Sanctuary is actually right off the water. It's not at a terminal or a pier, or it's not even really a public place mm-hmm. other than you have to take a boat to get there. Um, so it's, it's a really, really nice place. You feel like the dolphins are in their environment, and it was really cool. What do you think of the value of it? As far as what you paid, that excursion was probably one of the best priced excursions we had ever done, and we kind of stumbled upon it by accident. My wife, when we were looking for excursions, she wanted to swim with the dolphins, so we were just going to do what we did last time, which mm-hmm. was basically go in and see the dolphins and go back to the ship. Uh, the prod is only important for about six hours right. on that day, so you have a very short amount of time. And she read on a review online that if you book this reef snorkel, it's half the price and you get the dolphins and the snorkel. And so we weren't expecting a whole lot. And once we got to experience it, I was very, very impressed with everything they packed into that time frame. Um, the, only, the only thing about it, if you like to shop, 
the bad thing is when you get back to the terminal, we were literally like the last group of passengers back on board. Wow. <laughs> they were pulling the gangway in as we got <laughs> on. So you have no time for shopping whatsoever. Uh, that's the only, the only downside, which really is a downside for me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Were you on the ship that had an evacuation? That's correct. Okay. Yes. What, I'm just curious. I've never, I've never been on a ship that has experienced this, but did the chopper actually come to the cruise ship? Uh, yeah, so to give you a little background, we actually we had just finished dinner or breakfast on our second sea day. We were walking back to the cabin to change, and Safi, our cruise director, came on board or came on the uh, intercom. Uh, it was the kind of announcement that goes into the cabins, so you kind of mm-hmm. knew it was important. She said that a guest had fallen very ill and was in need of blood. And if anyone had this certain type of blood, they needed to come to the medical center to assist, which, you know, was very frightening and and disconcerting but so the first thing i did was go in i had actually been in, involved in an evacuation once before on a ship so i kind of knew the routine so i went in we were actually off the coast of jacksonville when this happened mm-hmm. and heading south and i went in and turned the, the, the tv on to the map the, the ship map mm-hmm. and uh, at the time we were still heading south but about 30 minutes later we were heading toward land and that's sort of the signal that you know you're heading toward land so there's going to be an evacuation so we actually went up to the top deck where the funnel is to to see what we could see, you know, at a safe distance. And, and Carnival does a phenomenal job at keeping people back in a way, um, but also understanding that people are curious and they give you a chance to at least be able to view what's going on. The Coast Guard helicopter actually was escorted by a uh, airplane. The airplane sort of came out first and circled the ship a few times, and then the Coast Guard helicopter come deck came out. As it circled, it it sort of hovered over the back corner of the ship, which is the Serenity deck or Serenity area on deck nine. And then the uh, rescue diver would fast rope down onto the deck. Uh, the rescue diver then checks the uh, status of the patient. From what I understand, if a patient were to pass away, uh, the Coast Guard will not take them. That's mm-hmm. what I've been told anyway. Um, so the diver fast ropes down, <clears throat> checks on the patient. Then they send down a basket, and in the basket, they send up the nurse. And then they send down a stretcher, strap the patient to a stretcher, and then send that up. And then the diver goes up last. The whole thing takes about 40 minutes. It's kind of a process. It's something you never hope you're involved Mm -hmm. in, but it really is interesting to see. And one of the cool things about it, when the helicopter was leaving, uh, they received an ovation from the passengers, cheering and hooping and hollering. And uh, that was really cool. It kind of gave me chills to see our Coast Guard in action. And, you know, unfortunately, we don't know the status of the patient. I hope everything worked out. That's pretty wild. Yeah, the Coast Guard station's like literally right down the street from my house here. Pretty cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, interesting. So you make your way back to Baltimore. How was the debarkation process for you and the family? Uh, the, de- the debarkation process is one place that I do have uh, a bit of frustration with the pride. I always have had this frustration uh, and I don't know if it's a crew issue or a leadership issue on board or if it's just the way it is. But having faster to the fun, they sort of marshal you over to the Red Frog pub and, and you're sort of in that room. You kind of feel a little trapped in there because you're sitting there for so long. Uh, what we have found and some of the people on our Facebook page for our cruise even said that people were just getting off when they felt like it. Wow. And of course, they make the announcements, don't come until your number is called. Uh, but I feel like the people such as platinum and diamond and, and faster to the fun, I feel like a lot of times they are stuck there because people aren't following the rules and mm-hmm. just getting off and they feel like it. Um, it's a very cumbersome and long process. And I think, 
I don't know what the answer is, but I think Carnival needs to work on that. I think it has to do with the the, the crew on the ship itself because I recently sailed on Carnival Magic and I was off the ship in like 12 minutes and I sailed Carnival Vista in Miami a couple of months ago and it was literally from the atrium to the curb in Miami, eight minutes. Oh my goodness. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because when I sailed on the Dream a few years ago, I can remember asking our uh, guest services for a lower number for debarkation because we had to drive home. It was a 16-hour mm-hmm. drive. And they gave us like number four and, and the same thing happened. I remember we were off within the first hour, and it was incredible. There was no crowds around the around the gangway, but the Proud has, has seemingly always had an issue with that. Uh, I don't think I'm alone with that complaint, so I think they have some work to do there. Well, I, I will say that um, the Pride is going to get the cruise director, Dr. E. And, I've heard that. And he, he had a really great debark on Carnival Magic a few weeks ago when I was on it, so hopefully you'll be getting some good debark up there coming soon. Yeah, I've, I've heard of him, and I've never sailed with him, but we're looking forward to it because I've heard nothing but good things. Yeah, he, he was awesome. Um, okay, so how about, let's see, so you did debark. Let's talk about first-time tips. Sure. Uh, first-time tips on the Pride specifically, I would say Faster to the Fun makes a world of difference, especially with the fact that Baltimore is a small terminal, and there's only two ships that sell out of Baltimore. And when you arrive, you've got parking on the right. That's for Royal Caribbean. Parking on the left is for the Pride. There's not a lot of uh, excess gray area there. So if you have faster to the fun, they will let you line up a lot earlier than if you don't. Uh, if you don't, you will be sent away and asked to come back. And unfortunately, in the area, in the city, there's nowhere to go. <laughs> so you're back on the interstate. Um, so faster to the fun would be a huge first tip. And the only other tip is the sun loungers go uh, very quickly on sea days. Uh, if you get up early and you get your lounger and you stay there, I don't believe in chair hogging, but if you get your lounger and you stay there, uh, you'll have a fantastic day at sea. But if you come out at 10, 30 or 11 looking for a seat, it's pretty crowded. Yeah, for sure. What was your, uh, the biggest highlight for you of the cruise? Uh, the biggest highlight would have to be for me. Number one, the Coast Guard evacuation was just, it was an awesome experience to see our Coast Guard at work. That was pretty cool. But as far as the ship goes, uh, the, the, the biggest highlight for me was visiting Princess Key for the first time and, and the weather just being fantastic all week long. Yeah, for sure. Well, in closing here, final thoughts of Carnival Pride. Uh, the Pride is a, is a wonderful ship. I would encourage anyone to check it out. Uh, it is a smaller ship. It's not as old as the Fantasy Class, and mm. the Fantasy Class has a ton of followers. So if you like that smaller class, I would encourage you to try the Pride. It is uh, it's a great terminal. It's not crowded because of the size of the ship. Uh, and it gives you a great cruising experience where you can relax and enjoy yourself. And you're not quite so uh, – you don't quite have that impression of being cattle mm-hmm. <laughs> herded from A to B. Right. Um, you know, the new ships are fantastic, but the, the smaller Pride is just – it's just a great, great ship for the size and the amount of passengers that it carries. Yeah. It looks like um, – so the – Pride's last dry dock was in October of 2014, it said. Yeah, and I've heard that they're supposed to – I mean, it's, it's hearsay, but I've heard that they're supposed to have a dry dock next year. They are. Every every um, five years, it's required by maritime law. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they Yeah, well, that will be – that'll be a great thing. The, you know, the, the, the Pride – I mean, I, I will say it, it needs a little attention yeah. in the cosmetic side of things. You can really tell some of the tiles have been replaced and they're discolored, different colors. Yeah. 
and there's some rust here and there. But uh, it really does feel like we're coming home when we get on board the Bride, which is why we keep going back to it. John, thanks for being on the show as always. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, iTunes, or at CruiseRadio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at CruiseRadio.net. I'm your announcer.